This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All week, we have been speaking with 2024 Grammy nominees with Chicago Street Cred. We've talked to members of the Third Coast Percussion Ensemble, Chicago poet Jay Ivey, jazz singer Kurt Elling, and Americana historian Don Flemons. And today, we're wrapping up this series with a local institution, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. We're listening to Hymn for Everyone, a piece from the CSO's Mead composer-in-residence, Jessie Montgomery. She's just been nominated for her first Grammy, and this track is on the CSO album Contemporary American Composers, which also received a Grammy nomination. Jesse Montgomery joins us now by phone. Thank you for joining us, Jesse. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Also with us, two musicians from the CSO. Miles Maynard is a bassoonist and contrabassoonist. Thank you for coming in. Absolutely. And Max Ramey is a composer and viola player. So happy to have you in studio, Max. Great to be here. First of all, I got to start with a congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Big moment. Thanks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Indeed. Let's start with you, Jesse. How does it feel to be Grammy nominated? Um, it's amazing. It's amazing to, you know, have my my work recognized in this in this way. It's a really um, huge, huge honor. You know, of course, it's a, you know, it's this thing that we sort of dream about and, you know, keep your fingers crossed about as you go through your career. And um, um, and then when it happens, it feels still completely out of uh, <laughs> out of the realm of reality initially. And then, yeah. uh, that's been wonderful to to. I uh, get all the wonderful feedback from colleagues and support. Yeah, I bet. It's, I mean, and this is yeah. your this is your first nomination, right? It is. That's correct. Man, yes. that must feel like a huge honor. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Nice. <laughs> uh, the Academy is recognizing Jessie for her musical prowess. The, the nominated piece is called Rounds. It's composed for solo piano and string orchestra, and mm-hmm. it's nominated in the best contemporary composition category. Let's let's listen. out to you about this piece smiles it's it just listening to that it makes me feel so happy to be surrounded by friends that are nominated for grammys i feel like i'm surrounded by that all the time yeah um just the transparent texture the accessibility jesse montgomery's musical language is so beautiful and it's it's always a pleasure listening to it has the cso performed this work I don't think we have. I don't believe so. Yeah. No, but we should. There's an opportunity. It doesn't involve wind players. That's why. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, I do recall playing it. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. I hope it was was real fun for you. That's right. Nice, nice. Well, I want to hear another song now, and I'm looking at you, Max, because this is the story. This is uh, from your piece, Three Liesl Mueller Settings, performed by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Where did you draw inspiration from when writing this piece? Many years ago, um, a woman named Liesl Mueller, an amazing poet, 
won the Pulitzer Prize. There was an article about it. Remember newspapers? They were like these paper things you used to like open up and read. Anyway, it was an article in the New York Times, <laughs> and there was one of her poems that they had as part of the article, and I just couldn't get it out of my imagination. I bought the book of her poetry that had won the Pulitzer Prize, and um, I, I I don't know how many of my friends I've given it to as a gift. Really? I just love those poems. I got to know her. It turned out she lived up in Lake Forest. I was very lucky to have a friendship with her while she was still alive. And I always wanted to set some of those poems to music. And um, this the story is, is one of the poems in her Pulitzer Prize winning collection. I want to talk about your instrument, Miles. Uh-oh, okay. I, I don't know. I'm just so intrigued. Mm-hmm. When I think of an orchestra, I think of a violin, a cello, not necessarily a bassoon, mm. or even more unique, a contrabassoon. True. So, I mean, how did you start playing such an interesting instrument? It's, yeah, it's a common origin story. Uh, where you start band in sixth grade and you usually get a smaller instrument like a clarinet Mm -hmm. or a flute. You know, there's a lot of those in a band. Um, And then at some point in middle school... You you decided to rebel. Yeah, someone... The the (laughs) band director usually looks around and is like, well, we need a bassoon. Who who would be a good fit for whatever reason? Long fingers, too much energy. uh, Gullible. Yeah, all those things. And I was all three. (laughs) And so uh, I started that in eighth grade. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in fact, Max, when I was listening to your piece, um, it's, it's cool. You know, when, a, when, uh, when a concert ends, we get to hang out afterwards and, and say, Hey, I like what you did here. I like what you did there. And Max always comes to the wind section. He, it, it's clear he was listening to the winds. And so he's kind of a wind fan, even though he plays the viola and you could hear that in his writing. His oh. piece has a lot of bassoon, actually a lot of, he's given a lot of love to the bassoon. And I need you to clear this up. What's the difference between the bassoon and the contrabassoon? So a contrabassoon is just an octave lower than a bassoon. It's and just, is it bigger? Yes. It is twice as long. It's twice as big. Ah. Cause the bigger, the lower. That's just how acoustics, how acoustics work. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It's very low. Jesse, you have talked about how you, you draw upon uh, a mix of, theatrical and musical influences when you compose and how much you enjoy the way that different music genres quote bump into each other. Hmm. I like that phrasing. Can you tell us more? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I equate that, you know, this kind of my philosophy around music is like, you know, music is a thing that sort of that naturally kind of happens like human we as people have created music as a way to communicate and create community. Um, and so in that way, music just kind of happens, you know, in, in, within cultural, you know, languages. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up in New York city and that's a place where cultures are literally bumping up against each other when you walk around and, yes. and in Chicago, similarly, um, in New York, we have a little bit less square footage to work with, with, you know, we're a little bit more dense in certain areas, but you know, this, this, uh, idea of things sort of colliding and bumping into each other and still finding a way to sort of maintain their own identity, um, is really interesting to me in terms of like how music, uh, serves as a reflection of, a culture of a, of a multicultured, uh, place, like a city, like a major urban city. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And so I try to reflect that in my music, um, in various ways and some pieces it's more obvious, uh, than others. Yeah. What do you think, Max, as a, as another composer, do you agree? Um, says, you know, music just kind of happens. Absolutely. I think that you go through life and if you're curious 
and truly love music, you encounter all these different approaches to creating a narrative and sound. Um, as Jesse put it so well, creating a community. I mean, I think about that when we're um, playing at the hall and, you know, the rehearsals might go very, very well, but when it's the night of the concert and you sense the presence of the people around you and there's this congregation experiencing something together and, you know, every single culture has found a way to create this way of making this congregation and feeling these things together. Mm. It's, um, I, it's a necessity like air or water, you know? Yeah. You have taken on some massive uh, creative projects, Jesse, over the years. And, and one that comes to mind for me is uh, your composition as part of the, the 6019 project. That was about five mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, you were reflecting at the time on the, the 400th anniversary of the, the arrival of the first enslaved Africans in America. But uh -huh. what I found interesting was that you later transformed that one piece and you added several elements and really ended up making it so much more. Can you explain that? process? Sure. Yeah. So in um, this past um, winter at, at the CSO, we premiered uh, Transfigure to Grace, which is an elaboration on that project that you're describing, which was a dance piece um, originally with the Dance Theater of Harlem. Um, I wrote a ballet. It was my very first ballet called Passage. Um, and, you know, some of the reflections within that piece were around uh, around um, water and the way that water is a sort of purification and also way of, uh, and, and also it was the means by which, you know, this very, very difficult and hard history took place um, through the Middle Passage um, and the arrival of First Africans um, here in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and so telling that story, you know, in the in the context of, um, you know, the orchestral language um, and as a concert piece rather than something that also has um, a visual and physical element to it, the dance. So there was no dance to it when it was performed in January. Um, so, I, you know, I had to sort of recreate the piece in, in some ways to uh, have it speak as just a concert piece, a piece that you sit there and listen to mm -hmm. um, without, without the visual. Um, but I, you know, in that way, I think, you know, to sort of bring back um, your other description earlier, um, there's a way to sort of imbue a piece of music that you just sit there and listen to with a theatrical layer or a sort of narrative layer um, that sort of brings you into the timing and the pacing of the original work. Um, so that was um, that was a lot of how I structured that piece and yeah, um, and reimagined it. Yeah, you know, and, and Miles is someone who's been performing for as long as you have been, when you get to this point and, and we start talking about Grammy nominations and these types of accolades, what does that bring up for you? I mean, do you, is there a will to, to carry on and try to beat that? <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, first of all, to be clear, it's, you know, it's not a nomination for me, but it's, it's usually a nomination for someone uh, bigger than me or, or about the team in general. So you know, I'm a part of an orchestra that has someone as fantastic as Jesse Montgomery as right. a composer in residence. But there's some motivation there for you. Sure, yeah. It just is a reminder to be grateful uh, that I'm a part of a team where these sorts of accolades are flying around in the building. Um, and uh, because, you know, we show up there every day. If you do something every day, uh, you can take it for granted or, or at least just not remember how special it is 
all the time. Yeah. And I mean, although the concerts are very special and there's there's usually a reminder somewhere in the week. But also Grammy season, that's that's another time like, wow, our, our composer in residence got a Grammy or <laughs> or, you know, our recording engineer mm-hmm. is, is nominated for and a Grammy. And you're bringing this work to life. Yeah. As you know, a it's, musician. yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing to to see all all the buddies getting all the accolades. For yeah. Sure. All right. Time for more music. This is a piece composed by Philip Glass. It's performed again by the CSO. Let's listen. So Max Glass, we know, is a renowned composer. Terrific composer, yeah. And the cousin of Ira Glass. Who's, and the cousin of Ira Glass. Who's done a little work here, I believe. Just a little bit. Uh, this piece, though, is beautiful, right? And I imagine you must take a lot of inspiration from great composers throughout history. Uh, Stravinsky no. once said, uh, mediocrities borrow, geniuses steal. Um, and um, it's, yeah, I, um, he has he has a incredible knack with rhythm and with the colors of the orchestra and yeah there's a lot to learn from it and a lot to admire in it yeah uh jesse a couple years ago npr called you quote the poster child for the shifting classical music canon this was in an article where they were exploring whether you know whether classical music can truly be inclusive but i hear you chuckle there and i think it kind of gave me the same reaction and i wonder if there's pressure on you to be looked upon as this change maker in, in such a, you know, a, a grave space. I, you know, it's both a pressure maker and also, you know, and it's an, an exciting, flattering remark. You know, I mean, w- what it indicates is that people are looking for that, you know, people are looking for what American classical music is doing, what it's going to do. It's a little bit of a glimmer towards, um, what's coming down the pike. I mean, I think, you know, um, as as institutions of you know of classical music so to speak like the CSO it's like you know we have there's there's an evolution that's happening um, that's inviting more new music and more uh, voices from you know American composers new American composers um, coming coming to the fore right now mm-hmm. um, and there's more room that's being made for those composers and I think that's a good that's all a good sign um, and I think the timing at which I'm sort of coming through this this stream, so to speak, um, you know, um, it's, it was, it, you know, it's like you, right time, right place kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to, you know, um, take, take the charge and, and, and continue to advocate for, um, an art, an art form that I've hold dear to my heart and that I've, you know, grown, grown up with. Um, yeah. and so I'm, you know, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful notion. Um, and I'm just really excited for, for what's to come down the pike. You know, there's something about orchestra music, as I, I listen to Jesse there, I think it quite literally fills the room, right? It, it gathers around the audience. It's, it's this experience that just pulls everyone in. With that in mind, I'm wondering what you want your audience to feel. So whether you're composing, whether you're playing, what is it that you want them to feel, Miles? That is the beauty of it. There isn't a right answer for that. Uh, you bring, as an audience member, your own life experience 
And what you feel is the combination of the musical message and then your interpretation of that message. So if it makes you feel angry or if it makes you feel loved or beauty, it, that's the right answer, mm. you know. Uh, the composer, for sure, usually has uh, an idea in mind of what they're trying to convey. But it's a game of telephone. And so that message is going to be changed by the audience member. And that's okay. And that's what's beautiful about it. So some someone having a tough week, they may find some piece of music just in, incredibly difficult to listen to at a time. It might be too painful or too close to the truth. And someone else in more of a jovial attitude uh, may just feel like it's, you know, the life of the party. And that's what's beautiful about it. Everyone yeah. everyone out there is having a different Open experience. to interpretation. Exactly. What do you think, Max? I think that's very well put. Um, I think one of the issues we have in classical music, and it's almost like we have this death wish. We give people this impression that they have to come to it with this huge body of knowledge and almost like doing your homework or, you know, preparing your taxes. And no, go there with an open mind and an open heart. Mm-hmm. And just see where it takes you, and wherever it takes you, that's just fine. And I'm that's glad you I brought that taxes. up. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you do your taxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm glad you brought up that point, Max, because we know that classical music for some, and is still very much out of reach, right? Or they they feel like there's no connection there. Um, like they have to come in with, as you said, some knowledge. Yes, there's really interesting um, historical reasons for that. Why it became something that the upper classes would wield almost as a cudgel. Um, oh, you're clapping between movements. You don't belong here, you peasant. Um, and, oh, I just, I don't have the vocabulary to describe how much that disturbs me. Mm. I've played school concerts all over the city of Chicago. And if you play Beethoven or Mozart or Jesse Montgomery or anything, and you play it with commitment and you play it well, and you honestly tell the kids why you love it, it always works out just fine. I want to talk more about the, the village that makes the CSO the CSO, Max. As we wrap up here, we've got to mention your audio engineer who was um, nominated for a Grammy as well, right? What can you tell us about Charlie Post? He's the consummate professional. Uh, I was involved in preparing my piece for this um, recording, and it was such a wonderful collaboration. I had ideas, he had ideas. It was this wonderful conversation, and he has ears that just pick up stuff that I've been listening to music all my life, and oh, I never noticed that. Man, what am I doing? Those here? audio engineers, man. Yeah. I've got some special ears. So, yeah, it was a real pleasure to collaborate with him. For sure. Well, before I let you all go, I'd love to hear what is next for you all. Jesse, why don't we start with you? Oh, what's next? I am working on a percussion concerto right now for Cynthia Ye, the mm. per- uh, principal percussionist of the CSO. Nice. So that, that's on the docket right now, and she'll be performing that piece with the CSO in late May, early June. Um, so looking really forward to that. That is awesome. What about you, Miles? Well, Saucer, you mentioned that when you think of the orchestra, you think of the violin and not so much the bassoon, but tonight out in Wheaton and tomorrow at Symphony uh, Center downtown, we're playing a piece that starts with the bassoon. It's one of the most famous pieces written for orchestra, the Rite of Spring, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. It's a wild party and the bassoon is absolutely integral. Yeah, I love that. And what about you, Max? What's on the Well, docket? let's see. Um, we're doing our Christmas show, like always, and I wrote a piece as a showpiece for our astonish, um, astonishing principal trumpet, Esteban Batalan, 
Um, it's variations on Hark the Herald Angels with a huge trumpet part, and we're doing it for our Christmas show. Nice. And I'm working on a piece, a poem I discovered in Harper's uh, when I was on a trip once someplace. A guy named Steve Ackerman called If I Had As Many Hands As Vishnu, a very whimsical, uh, wonderful poem, and I've been setting that to music. Yeah, I love that so much. Well, that is the Chicago Symphony Orchestra's Max Ramey, Miles Maynard, and Jesse Montgomery, who was just nominated for a Grammy for Best Contemporary Classical Composition. Jesse, Max, and Miles, thank you all so much for stopping by. Thanks for having us. This was great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Congrats, thank you. Jesse. Yes, congratulations. Thanks, guys. Good to hear you. Let's go out on another piece. This is another from Philip Glass. Here's Movement 3. Let's listen. Let's listen. 